episode 91, Stephen Devlin. Welcome to the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, Yoda questions, yin yang, the alpha round, the finish. The alpha ultimatum. 2015 applications will start in December. Body, belief, and balance. Get to the podcast. Let's get cracking. Okay, guys, we have Stephen Devlin for you today. He's a licensed life insurance broker, is a Canadian expert, and a bank on yourself authorized advisor. He's also an accomplished financial coach, specializing in cash flow management and wealth building strategies. So this, this session today is all about banking yourself, financial strategies, alpha finances, we should say. He is the co-founder and president of the MacDev Financial Group Corporation, headquartered in Vancouver, British Columbia. So he's coming from us from Canada today. Stephen landed a place as an author in the best-selling book, The Secret to Lifetime Financial Security, which we're going to talk about his particular chapter and how he managed to get into that. That was published in 2013. The book reached bestseller status as high as number one in the budget and money management category. He's also won an XB award on April 4th, 2014 from the National Association of Experts, Writers and Speakers. He's appeared in USA Today, Forbes magazine, A&E and the bio channels Times Square Today Show. Again, this year, he's been in another bestseller book, Transform with Brian Tracy. So basically, guys, he's been up to a lot. He's a financial coach, financial expert. He's going to help us bank on ourselves. And firstly, Stephen, are you ready to awaken your alpha? Absolutely, Adam. I love it. Cheers. So, I mean, we got to, we met each other on your first book well over a year ago now. So it's taken us a while to line this interview up and I'm just glad we managed to do it. It was amazing meeting you and uh, having the opportunity, getting to know you a little bit the first time in September of 2013 and then this last September. Yeah. It was amazing. Uh, I got to get out to the UK. It's <laughs> always been a dream of ours. My son, who's 10, uh, is a huge Harry Potter fan, of course, and wants to come out to see England. <laughs> So when you come and do that, you'll have to show us around, right? Definitely. Okay. And so if you come to Vancouver, hey, we'll do it over here. What's the weather like now? Because you're, you're over on the West Coast, aren't you? Which, but you're very high up. So what's the weather like now at the moment? Uh, fairly similar to London, actually. We're uh, just three hours north of Seattle. So, you know, eight, eight degrees Celsius right now. A lot of rain. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll get much snow. It's got a really sort of interesting story and it seems like you really come from a position of you know financially you were struggling at some stage and that's sort of what drove you to get into the financial industry i just wanted to this is our origin question how did you come from obviously growing up and i want to hear about exactly where you grew up if it was british columbia the whole time or you know and what you wanted to be when you was growing up and how you got into the financial industry yeah so i came from a broken family like a lot of people um in the 70s uh, my mom raised five of us on our own. My dad left when I was five. I grew up in Vancouver, born in Vancouver. So I'm a Vancouver, right? I was then adopted when I was 10, 11, actually. My dad, Murray Devlin, adopted me. And he was an amazing man as well, an artist, and took us to the Bahamas when I was 14. So I did a lot of my homeschooling in the Bahamas, which was pretty rough, huh? <laughs> nice. Say, this is a like a, a struggling story, and then you get Bahamas. That's when you like yeah. results. It you sounds like you deserved a bit of Bahamas action by then. Yeah, I mean it was tough. I mean uh, my dad gone and embarrassed to go to school and, and say you know I don't have a father and you know back then in the seventies people kept that to themselves. You know you went to the Bahamas. 
when did you come back or why did you come back? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, exactly. Why? Are you crazy? So <laughs> I left, uh, uh, parents hauled me out of grade nine, halfway through grade nine, and we went down there to do some missionary work. So it was pretty neat. We went to Freeport. We drove our van all the way from Vancouver, all the way down to San Diego, took a left and went all the way over to West Palm Beach, Florida, stored it there. Whoa, what and then went to Freeport, yeah. And then uh, came back, drove all the way back. And then the next time we flew. So I was there for three years. And the last two, I lived in a little island called Eleuthera, which is about 40, I don't know, 40K from Nassau. Beautiful pink sand beaches. And, wow. Uh, so how old were you there? Sort of 16, 17, 18, around them years? In the yeah, end? Enough, uh, just before I was 18. November, I graduated 11 and 12 in one year and then flew back on my own. When uh, November, when I was 17, I turned 18 in December. I was going to say, they're uh, crit critical years as well then. <laughs> Yeah, critical. And um, it was really helped me, I think, by being homeschooled. My mom was pretty strict and had us at the table at 8 a.m. in the morning. But we were done our schooling at 1. Then we had our main meal at 1 because it was too hot. She didn't want to cook in the evenings. But I think it really helped me create the discipline and the self-learning part of uh, my life in terms of how I've got involved in businesses and how I've got into this industry. Yeah. That's self-taught, right? I mean, that sounds like hopefully like an entrepreneur training sort of academy you know getting up early doing your work just blasting through it and being finished by the afternoon <laughs> yeah and then go to the beach right <laughs> <laughs> perfect start as you mean to go on so when you return back to america then canada what did you what did you start out doing then was were you always going to go into the financial industry how did that come about yeah so i came back when i was uh, like i said just before i turned 18 i took and kicked out the par the people that were renting our home. So I took over our house uh, on my own at that age. It was pretty cool, all my friends and stuff coming over and I'm taking care of our house. I was very responsible, of course, but it was great freedom for me to help me grow up fast. And then I I obviously was graduated, so you know I had to figure out what I wanted to do, but I think what I wanted to do first is just get out and work. So I started to work as a waiter and cook and things like that first. And then my folks had to come back from the Bahamas because they couldn't get a work visa there to stay permanently. So they came back in April. So I was about six months or so on my own. Yeah. And then, uh, from there, um, I decided to move out on my own and then started to work, basically. I got into some restaurant management courses and things like that, but more or less just going out and getting experience working for you know, restaurants and I worked for a department store for five years. You know, those, that kind of experience helped me to create the discipline I have today and you know obviously I wanted to grow and, and get into something that I could manage myself but you have to do your time right definitely what was like the awakening type moment when when you found financial planning or the financial industry or was it a, a series of situations or events what what led you into that industry and was it a struggle at first or how did it how did it come about I worked for an ice cream company for eight years and then I got let go because they downsized so I went through that process and then in the 2099-2000 I got into the dot-com industry and then that obviously melted down so I was management and then I realized at that time in 2000 that I wanted to really get out on my own and start my own business so that's where the entrepreneurial spirit started to kick in at that age yeah. when I was around 35 roughly yeah started a marketing business for realtors I worked with realtors right across Canada on web based stuff and also traditional marketing and then uh, we were doing really well Michelle and I 
my business partner, my wife, we've been you know together 14 years and working together for 14 years. The technology wasn't keeping up with what we needed it to do. So we kind of exited out of that business. And then we got into a franchise, a publishing franchise, so which is doing a magazine for kids' businesses, like a directory. Yeah. Um, but you know, ultimately we lost our shirt on that. We did our due diligence and we had a business coach and we had a top franchise lawyer. Ultimately, Adam, it didn't work for us. We lost, uh, I think about $500,000 at that time. We were, our net worth was very, very good at the time. And, you know, just really sh just shook the foundation for us personally. Sometimes, sometimes I ask, you know, what's, what's one of your biggest failures or learning experiences? That sounds like that. <laughs> That's going to be tough to beat. That must have been a tough time. Well, when we were facing bankruptcy, we had great credit. And at that time, we needed the banks to help us out. And that bank that we put a lot of money into over the last eight years with the other successful businesses totally slammed the doors on us. Oh, I mean, we've all heard the we've all heard Mark Twain quote, you know, the banker will give you the umbrella when it's sunny, but as soon as it rains, the banker will take the umbrella away, right? Whoa, we were yeah. caught in that exact situation where they wouldn't help us at all with the massive debt that we took on and tried to manage that. Um, we were still making all our payments, but we wanted some help. Didn't happen. We had to figure out a better way. So I think when you're at your lowest, you pray and you learn that something from this tragedy is going to be positive. And a great friend of mine in the U.S. told me about a book called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, okay. called The Infinite Banking Concept, and also Pamela Yellen's first book, Bank on Yourself. That was 2008-2009. Totally just transformed our financial life, which is why I wrote a chapter in the Transform book on how I transformed our financial life. One of our questions is the Yoda question where it's like, who helped awaken your alpha? Who was like a mentor or inspired you to sort of up-level things? Some of them people you mentioned in there, did they help awaken your alpha or was there any other key figures along the journey? Uh, totally Jason Ingram awakened my alpha. I mean, he's an awesome guy. I mean, he, we were actually involved in a financial software product that we brought to Canada. Yeah. Uh, he told me about it in the U.S., it really opened our eyes around interest and how financing works and how banks work. So from him, that's where the whole financial industry career shift for us changed. It just made so much sense for us to look yeah. at a better way, a different way than what the traditional banks were telling us or our advisors were telling us. So that's kind of how it all started and why we got so excited and fascinated and really kind of scratched our head wondering why isn't everybody doing this? You brought that concept into Canada at the time. Yeah, I mean, the concept, bank on yourself, infinite banking, cash flow banking, the bank of you, yeah. it's been called a lot of things. It's not a new thing. It's been around almost 200 years in North America. It goes back longer in Europe. You know, it's basically a different asset class that a lot of people aren't aware of. But frankly, the wealthiest people of the world have it. Yeah. And the banks have it. So... We're just looking at a different track ultimately and just to not follow conventional wisdom is actually just question what's out there and say, Hey, is there a better way for me to manage my money, to have control of my money, to have safety, security, stability, and peace of mind in uncertain environments. And, you know, we lost a lot of money in 19, uh, 2000 in the meltdown and 2000, the stock crash. And then in 2008 as well. 
when we got into this industry, we really made a pledge to make it simple for our clients to understand that they don't need a full binder of their plan. They need a very simple plan that they can easily explain and they can easily follow and they can go to sleep at night not worrying about their money. Yeah. So from that first book that you was involved in around this time, what are some key tips you can give to people who maybe finances is not one of their hottest topics or uh, even if they think they're still quite successful at it, what are some of the key bits of advice you could give to us? I think the advice is to find a mentor. I mean, we're all very good at learning things. We could learn and download how to fly a plane, right? Yeah. Off the internet. But do we do that? You know, do we need a financial coach? Yeah, I think you do. Do you need to have a business coach or a fitness coach to guide and support and educate us? So the biggest tip and advice is to find an advisor that you trust, someone that is looking out for your best interest, who truly wants you to succeed and achieve your financial goals, I think is the first thing. Second thing is to really put your financial house in order and be serious about where you want to be in the next 5, 10, 15, 30, 20 years and to look at your spending to look at your cash flow. I think the main goal on this is, you know, how much money is flowing out of your life into the pockets of others. I'm talking about interest here. And how can we, you know, reduce those interest rates to keep more money in your pocket? To learn about a strategy to self-finance, which means be your own banker. And if you need a car or if you need some type of equipment for your business or you want a vacation, you're able to access a pool of money that you control and you do not lose the growth of that money. So that's called opportunity cost. Basically, we finance everything we buy. I didn't know this either, but we either pay interest to others, yeah. or we give up interest that could have earned otherwise by paying things with cash. So if we took 30 grand out of our savings tomorrow to buy a vehicle, that 30 grand is gone now forever, right? Yeah. If you go and go to the local car dealership to finance that $30,000 car, you're financing it and paying principal and interest over the years, right? And then after four years or five years, what are you left with? You have a car with scratches and dents, right? Yeah. A depreciating asset. With the system that we use to be your own banker is we're able to access our dollars. So we're using principles like leverage and collateralization, terms that the banks use, basically teaching banking 101. So that means that that 30 grand that I've accessed is still growing and earning for me. So I'm not losing any opportunity costs now. I'm leveraging against that 30 grand. So I take the 30 grand out of my system, my banking system, and then I pay it back because I control the process of paying back. I set the terms. Yeah. And after the four years, if I decide I'm going to pay X amount of dollars for four years back to my pool that I borrow from, what do I have now? I've got growth on 30 grand over the four years. So I may be at $48,000 or $62,000, depending on the way the plan's designed. I have all those dollars recouped in my system. And I still own the car with the scratches and dents, but I haven't lost the 30 grand. It's still sitting there growing for me. See, well, that's something where I think people need a financial coach or a mentor because <laughs> to, to get the actual details of how you can achieve that. You can just, can you clarify then? How does this, how does it work? <laughs> all right. So first and foremost, obviously we've, we're talking to an audience of people all around the world. Um, the main thing is we need to find a country that still has a dividend paying whole life insurance. Now in the U S 
there is obviously and in Canada there is but I'm not sure about other countries I know in the UK and Australia they've gone away from whole life in in some ways but it's worth looking at you yeah. know there's certainly people have come all around the world to get this tool in place and they can come to North America to do that you know to get it in place but at the end of the day you know what this is is basically a way to build permanent life insurance for yourself meaning that you're not renting now life insurance is about providing if something were to happen to you you know what no one buys life insurance because you're going to die they buy life insurance because the people you love are living right yeah people you love are going to live so end of the day you know four things are going to happen you're either going to get an illness you're going to get a disability old age is going to creep up or you're going to die right so we basically protect against all four of those things and make sure that your family is protected or your business partner is protected so the main thing is to figure out a, we need to have the, the particular product in place to do this. It's got to be designed to allow us to put extra money into this and shelter it under um, you know rules in the particular country. And you're going to be taught how to use it as a financing tool. So you're going to be taught how to take money from this life insurance policy to finance your life. So basically, you're going to use it while you're living. You're not going to worry so much about the death benefit. That's secondary. It's kind of the bonus. Yeah, it's a cash storage facility that's going to allow you to grow your money safely, and because we're not talking about the stock market here, we're talking about mortality, and not everyone's dying. People are living longer, so you've got a pool of money that's continually growing. You know, it's amazing. I was just saying, end all, it's not to take replacing of other investments and take away from real estate and stock market and things like that. It's not. It's about creating a foundation first so you can multitask your money, meaning if you needed to do an investment, you could chew it from your policy and if the investment tanked on you, you haven't lost the money, obviously, in your policy because you didn't touch it, right? Okay. You're never yeah. So it's a lot of learning. I mean, if you, if you want to learn, there's these books and there's lots of opportunities to learn of what financial vehicles are out there that best suit you. It may sound too good to be true. It may sound complicated. You know, but we're using an asset, like I said before, that a lot of people don't understand, and that's using dividend-paying whole life insurance. And when I say life insurance, a lot of people, you know, get derailed. I say, you know, get over it. Life insurance has been around a long time. You know, where did life insurance started? It started in the UK. It started with <laughs> the guy, Lloyd's guy, sitting down at the docks, having some tea, <laughs> and seeing these ships go out, and then realizing, hey, you know what? Some of these ships aren't coming back. Maybe we should think about insuring the cargo, right? And it's like anything, Adam. I mean, you could have a certain type of education, but it may be a lot different than another type of education. You could have a specific car. It's different than a lot of other different cars. The same as like whole life insurance. There isn't one kind. We're using a very specific, high-bred, high-cash value asset that helps us to grow our money in a very safe fashion that allows us to access these dollars with our, with, uh, without any restrictions and have that empowerment to know that our money is going to be there in the future. So it's not a get-rich-quick system. It is a get-rich-steady. It does take someone who is patient and requires discipline. But the rewards are very, very, are very good. So, you know, when the next crash happens, which ultimately will happen. Yeah, it's going to happen, definitely. <laughs> it's going to happen. The clients that we have and the people that have these systems set up for themselves are going to be very happy to know that their money is safe. We're going to mix this up a little bit now and we're going to find out a little bit more about you because that is, 
that's a full-on financial lesson going on there. So we're going to just find out about you, the man behind all this. And this is the complete blank around. So all you have to do is complete my blanks and finish my sentence, and we'll find out a little bit more about you. Sound good? Yeah, awesome. Okay. Your best friend would describe you as? Happy. What is your, your favorite movie of all time is? Favorite movie of all time? Yep. There's a lot of them. Well, I'm going to pin you for one. As of today, at this moment. As of this moment? Yep. <laughs> I like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's, that's brand new. Well, it's very new, isn't it? That yeah. looks very strange. <laughs> Vin Diesel is like a tree man and some, someone is a fox <laughs> or something like that. Or a raccoon or something. I don't know. 2001 Space Odyssey comes to mind was good. I remember my mom taking me to that. Jaws was a good movie when I was taken to that movie when I was uh, nine. And my uh, mom was pretty angry that my dad took me. I was going to say, nine. Wow. I don't even know what Jaws was, what, like what rating it was when it came out. But it must have been more than nine. Took us to that movie. My little brother, I don't remember when the, when the head popped out. I think he jumped like 20 feet out of my dad's lap. What? Oh, so you wasn't the youngest there. You had a little brother with you as yeah, well. Yeah, my little guy. My little guy, Doug. My little brother, Doug. Yeah. The one who's traumatized about sharks, yeah, probably. <laughs> Quality. Okay. If I was ever to visit Vancouver, I should? Do the grouse grind. The, what is the grouse grind? <laughs> it's, uh, it's an awesome hike up the mountain here. I thought, it was, I, was, I thought it sounded like a pub crawl for a minute there. Yeah, I know. I could make you do that those too, but yeah. <laughs> Grouse grind, man. And, uh, see how fast you can do it. I think the fastest time is like 25 minutes. But someone takes someone who's pretty good, pretty good shape, at least an hour. The number one financial mistake people make is? Overextending themselves. Instant credit. Mm. Late gratification. I need it now. Yeah. Not saving for a rainy day, you know. I don't know about the UK, but Canada has a very, very low savings rate, and our debt per capita is actually worse than the US. There's a lot of debt here, a lot of consumer debt. A lot of people have leveraged their homes quite a bit. So, yeah, I would think for me, that's one of the big ones. Definitely. Understanding your cash flow and your interest and what's paying out and keep control of that, you know. The number one thing that fills you with fear is what do you fear uh, that's a good question man <laughs> well fear is a loss of uh, my wife basically yeah my biggest, uh, from what i've gone through is how do i manage that process a 10 year old you know losing his mother i mean i'm telling you there's no guarantees in life you start getting into your 40s and you realize well you know how much time do i have left and and you see people that, uh, you know, uh, you know, lost a friend who's 36. I mean, the main thing is, is that's a huge fear for sure. Yeah. I mean, and just to fill everyone in, just the sort of the, the basics, your, your wife was diagnosed with cancer, but she was in the hospital actually why we haven't been able to do this interview for a little while. And um, she, she's all clear now. You said she's going back for sort of extra surgery. She was clear. Uh, she had the surgery in April, 2013. Yeah. She has, uh, family history i think for sure but she's a very clean eater she was yeah. gluten-free dairy-free vegan at times anyway basically it was the surgery was good 
but it went into two lymph nodes. So she had some chemo for six months, preventative measures. But the main issues after were the, uh, the infection that happened. And anyway, she was there in the hospital for two months, almost went septic because of a bad abscess. She had to have an ileostomy because of that abscess. It was just done on Halloween. And then um, she ended up getting a blockage that kept her in the hospital for two and a half weeks. Now she's out, which is all good news, and yeah, she's so we'll, being very positive that everything is behind her now. Brilliant. Well, all the best, man. All the best. Uh, yeah, it's a tough situation. Well, you've made it to the alpha round now. We've touched on bits of this already, but this is where you're going to give us tools, tricks, and tips, and we'd like to start off with a book recommendation. You gave us a couple of good book recommendations earlier. Would you like that to be your book recommendation for the alpha round? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you've got to read Bank on Yourself, Revolution. Yeah, is Emily Ellen, New York Times bestseller, and then you've got to read R. Nelson Nash, Becoming Your Own Banker. Is there any cool resources that you can share with us that you use maybe on a regular basis that you think are quite useful and they're just out there, but people are not aware of them? You know, there's the the Money Merge account, you know, that we've used uh, as well up here. What's the um, Money Merge account? Uh, it's a way to manage your cash flow and to see the cost of something, okay. cost of doing and making a transaction and what is the impact on your life financially. You know, that's a great resource. Is that an app or is that some software or? Yeah, it's some software, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mint is another, is a free app, Mint. Is Mint, a free, okay. Mint, M-I-N-T, is a free app on just money management and cash flow and Balancing your checkbook and balancing your savings, those kind of things. Okay, perfect. That sounds perfect. It's little things like that that probably seem, you know, common sense or just standard to you, but it might be, uh, might be the thing people are looking for, just that little useful, practical resource. Cool. Yeah, it's anything that can help, right? Yeah. Get your mind thinking a little bit more about your money and um, learning some strategies to give you some peace yeah. and excitement and kind of go from there, right? Definitely. So... Who do you think, I'm looking for recommendations here, who do you think I should interview next or very soon? I usually ask for two recommendations, maybe someone from your network that I'm not aware of, and then maybe someone else who's, maybe someone you'd like to listen into the show if they were ever on here. Uh, well, Peter Diamantis. <laughs> That's an easy one to get. Now, you're not the first person to uh, suggest or recommend him. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> man, I love to hear that. You get Pamela Allen on that would be fantastic. So, are you are you in contact with her still? <laughs> Absolutely, I'm part of her organization. Right. Pamela Allen was in the top fifty most influential money people in the U.S. So, yeah, yeah, that would be exactly that would be a very useful interview. Definitely, see what she's got to say. What's the best way they can like find out more about you and what you get up to? What's the best way they can connect? Yeah, that's an awesome question. You know, it's all about education, first and foremost. Not to throw a fire hose on them all, but to give them little bits of information, like you said, resources. So they go to uh, macdevfinancial.com, our website, macdev, that's M-A-C-D-E-V, financial.com. And they can look at some videos, they can download a chapter, they can request an analysis. Um, you know, I'd be happy to send a DVD or book to them. Brilliant. You know, someone who's serious about taking control of their financial well-being and life, hey, you know, I'm all about educating them and helping and guiding them, right? 
Brilliant. Well, that sounds like some good resources there as well that we can put into sort of the resources for the show. So, um, well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, what is the time there at the moment? Is it, it's in the morning over there for you, isn't it? Yeah, 10 to 10 a.m. Okay, yeah, we're just, we're just coming into dinner time over here. So, and crazy kids, <laughs> bath time and bedtime. So. <laughs> yeah, so, you've got two kids, right? Two? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The, yeah. yeah I, I, thank you so much, Adam. I really enjoy uh, getting to know you and meeting you in Hollywood those two times. And it's like never said, enough. It's, it's, it's always so brief. It's always so fast and furious. So, um, yeah. No, I'd love to come see you. I think we're going to do that in the summer. Yeah, it's vice versa. It's, I've always heard such brilliant things about, you know, British Columbia and that, that I've heard it's just beautiful over that way. It is gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to come one day for sure. And we got to get out England too. This wasn't in the interview. This was before the interview, just before we go, you got to tell uh, people where, where exactly is you live and you're set up. This year in September, my son um, is dyslexic. So he's having a hard time with the public system and we live on a peninsula. It's called the Sunshine Coast. And the town we live in is called Gibson's. You can't get there by a car. There's no road. You have to take a ferry, which takes 300 cars. And then we uh, live downtown in a flat through the week because my son goes to school here. And then uh, around two o'clock on Fridays, we go back to the ferry terminal at Horseshoe Bay and then go home. Oh man, Fridays at two o'clock. You must just, you must get a very serious Friday feeling around that time. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful place to live. We're very fortunate where we live and uh, it's right near the ocean, walking distance to the ocean. Lovely. Um, Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. And just a quick little message from me. This one's specifically going out to the gentlemen just like myself who are pursuing their alpha. Then you want to listen and look out for the Alpha Ultimatum that's coming 2015. Applications will start in December. You'll be working closely with me Look out for the application and then we will jump on a call, talk through it. This is not going to be click a button and you're in. No, you have to talk to me and then we decide if this is the right fit for you and then if you're actually ready. I will speak to you soon. Keep a lookout, gentlemen, and keep pursuing the alpha. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless.